Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Wake up! The Early Line. Line up! All right, here we go. It is now Monday, March the 9th. The year is 2020. Welcome in to the grid, sportsgrid.com. Joe and Eric Dane Martinez here for you. It's the early line. We'll take a look at everything that happened over the last 48 hours in the world of sports, and there is plenty to get going. And then, of course, take a look ahead to the card tonight, which uh, is not a monster card. Three NBA games, uh, 13 in the college basketball arena and of course uh, you got four games in the nhl but yesterday was that was it it was the final regular season of college basketball no more regular season games from this point on guys it is all about postseason play and it starts with conference tournaments continuing tonight some just taking off but certainly others continuing looking to crown a champion we've already crowned a couple of people punched the ticket there in some of these mid-major, uh, mid-major programs and mid-major conferences. Things like Liberty going back, Bradley out of the Missouri Valley is going, uh, and still much to be determined all week long, including the big folks in the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, Pac-12, you name it, around the horn. There will be a lot of college basketball tournaments coming up this week. And it was a blast all weekend long to watch on Saturday. The top 25 go at it. Yesterday, top 25 go at it. Senior days all over the place. Michigan State, uh, of course, and the uh, you know their move to really be the number one seed in a, in a lot of places and a lot of brackets. They uh, if they run the table in the Big Ten, going to be very hard to keep Michigan State all of a sudden out of a top seed. Kansas takes care of business. A few upsets along the way on the weekend. We'll get you caught up with all of that. And also a collapse of epic, and I mean epic proportions, for one school, one program that I don't know how you recover from it, but we're going to have to figure it out, and they're going to have to figure it out rather quickly because the SEC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, it's all coming your way this week. And finally tonight, we get to see Gonzaga. They're in action. We'll cover that game, BYU, the Western uh, Conference, all of that coming up. But first, let's bring in Dan Straffer to get you caught up with all the headlines from overnight in the world of sports here on the grid. Well, Joe, we start in the NBA. Giannis sits an MRI revealed that Antetti Kumpo is dealing with a minor joint capsule sprain in his left knee, and he will sit out the final two games of Milwaukee's road trip. He sat out Sunday. will sit out Monday as well. A loss was the result of that first game. Phoenix beats Milwaukee 140 to 131. Chris Middleton did put up 39 points, two rebounds, four assists, in 13 of 26 shooting in the loss. For the win for the Phoenix Suns, 36 points, five rebounds, Eight assists, a steal, and two blocks for Devin Booker. Ricky Rubio with the triple-double, 25 points, 13 rebounds, 13 assists. Drew Holiday had 37 points, 9 rebounds, and 8 assists, a steal, and a block as the New Orleans Pelicans beat the Minnesota Timberwolves 120-107. to 
in Minnesota. In baseball, Willie Calhoun sustained a fractured jaw after being hit in the face by a pitch during Sunday's Cactus League game. He is expected to undergo further testing on Monday. A 95-mile-an-hour fastball up and in caught him on the face. Justin Verlander was removed from Sunday's Grapefruit League outing because of right tricep soreness. Astros manager Dusty Baker said after the game that Verlander's removal was precautionary, but he will be sent for tests at some point on Monday. Michael Kopech of the Chicago White Sox will make his Cactus League debut on Tuesday versus the Rangers. He's coming back from an elbow injury. Mark Tompkins of the Tampa Bay Times reports the Rays and outfielder Austin Meadows have begun discussing a long-term extension. Meadows was quoted as saying he will, quote, see where it goes. And the BNP Paribas Open Tennis Tournament, set to begin this week, has been called off after a case of the new coronavirus was confirmed in the Coachella Valley in Southern California. The Riverside County Public Health Department declared a public health emergency Sunday for the desert cities 110 miles east of L.A., including Indian Wells, where the ATP and WTA tours were to play the two-week tournament starting Wednesday. We'll see if this carries over to other athletic events. I'm Dan Strapper, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. All right, Dan, thank you very much. It was a big day in the NBA as well over the weekend. Actually, huge weekend in the NBA for contrarian bettors. If you guys uh, that like to go against the grain a little bit over the weekend... My word, was it, was it a profitable weekend for you? Underdogs, 5-1 and one against the number, including four upsets on Saturday. And that carried over into yesterday, where underdogs went 7-3-1 and one against the number. The Raptors and Kings pushed. Of course they did. But you had upsets, like Dan told you, by the Lakers taking down the Clippers. The Thunder uh, getting 6-6.5 at the Celtics. The Suns taking down the Giannis List. Milwaukee Bucks uh, winning outright. They were getting six and a half. The Pacers uh, getting six and a half against the Mavericks, pulling it out. Of course, the Magic embarrassing the Rockets at home. Boy, oh boy, it's amazing when you get really tall teams versus really not tall teams. The really not tall team tends to not do so well there. And all of a sudden, oh, look now, the Cavaliers uh, with a four and a half point spread took down the uh, Spurs at home. And now quietly, the Cavaliers are playing some basketball that you can't laugh at. And that's the world of the NBA. But keep in mind, guys, uh, April 16th is when we will begin the playoffs for the association. So we're coming up on that 30-day mark, Dane. And even with 30 days left in a regular season, watching the association over the weekend, there remains to be those the haves and the have-nots. I, I don't know how else to put it. That that's You've got these teams that are just a step above everybody else. You got a lot of teams in the middle. Anybody can beat anybody on any given night. But when it comes to the truly elite teams in the association, teams that are going to have a chance at winning this all when it's all said and done, uh, you know, I, I see maybe three, maybe four, and most of them all in the same conference. That's interesting you say that. I was just bringing up like the conference odds because we have been talking about this before. But we are in the final stretch, Joe. You're absolutely right. I must remind people, the All-Star game is not the middle of the season. All right? Most of these teams have about 17, 18, maybe 20 at most games left to play. And teams are starting to announce themselves. So you're right. Out West, we have been talking about it going through that building, the Staples Center, whether it's the Clippers or the Lakers. And you got to see that the Lakers kind of, and LeBron kind of uh, planted his flag over the last weekend 
beating the Clippers and the Bucks, who are both two of those six teams you mentioned, I would imagine, right? And then out east, listen, Giannis missing a few games. I, I'm very interested to see what the Bucks do without Giannis. Going into Phoenix and losing without him is not a good statement because you have teams like Toronto, like Boston, like Miami, who are there and I believe can take Milwaukee down in a seven-game series if they got the opportunity. I think it's about six teams, Joe. I think it's the two L.A. teams and four teams out east that could ultimately raise the Larry O'Brien trophy. Yeah, I, I mean, as of right now, there is nobody more impressive than what the Lakers have been doing yeah. since that All-Star break, guys. They have been about as dominating as you can be, certainly from a betting perspective. If you have been backing them against the number, um, they have done nothing but profit and continue to profit. It's amazing to me. Uh, they were two games back-to-back -back in taking on two of the elite teams of those, let's say, even six teams. Exactly. You got Milwaukee on Friday night. You're a point-and-a-half favorite there at home, which was a screwy number to begin with due to the fact that what the odds makers were telling you is that Mo the Milwaukee Bucks are a point-and-a-half difference on a neutral court away from the Lakers. I don't see that. I did not see that. Maybe somebody else watched that, but I did not see that. I thought it was a, a ridiculous line to begin with. It should be at least three points for the Lakers at home, given a neutral site should be about a pick em with those two teams. But plenty of value on the Lakers. You get a day off, and then you got to deal with Kawhi and company there, a team that was going into that game yesterday with six wins in a row, also turned it around since the All-Star break. That is a gauntlet, people. I mean, within, you know, 72 hours to be able sure. to go to Milwaukee, you know, have Milwaukee and then take on the Clippers and come out victorious. And, it, it you know, at, at points it was close, but really at the end, you just saw the dominance and LeBron, once again, 30 days away from the playoffs, LeBron mm -hmm. kicks it into another gear, and you're seeing that LeBron James right now. Don't forget, he took pretty much last year off. Can we all agree? Like, right. he was doing anything but playing basketball last year, and I think he's he's got the timing of it all down pat now. That's what happens after 17 years in the league. And we said this, Joe, we said this going into this year, that last year was the first time in LeBron's entire career where he mm -hmm. was not, in essence, playing summer basketball, whether it be a long run into the finals or yep. Team USA. And we said it. I remember being like, we're going to get a fresh LeBron for whatever that means for a man who's in his you know, mid-30s at this point, and he's reaping the benefits now. You said it, Joe. He knows how to get himself ready uh, given the calendar of the NBA season, you know, usually he just makes wholesale trades, right? And just switches it all out and gets a new set of teammates that start to build chemistry with. This year, I think he is pacing himself. He knows, you know, that now is the time to turn it on. This is the stretch run. They're the number one seed out West. And, you know, they made their statement against the Bucks and the Clippers over the weekend. Two teams who are along with them are the favorites to win the NBA championship. Right now, Joe, the Milwaukee Bucks are plus 240 to win it all. But the Lakers have put a little bit of distance between them mm. and the Clippers. They are the second choice. And they are now, they used to be co-favorites with the Clippers out West. Now the Lakers are plus 165 to win the Western Conference, and the Clippers are now plus 190. And then there's a big old gap to anybody else in the West. Technically, it's Houston at 7-1. to one. 
And I got, well, they got uh, Brooklyn uh, tomorrow, which is an interesting case. They made some uh, changes over the weekend. We'll discuss that. Plus, we'll take a look at uh, the early schedule tonight. Only three games, but some interesting games. A couple of back-to-backs we'll talk about. We'll do that coming up next year on the early line at a sportsgrid.com. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. SportsGrid.com, Joe and Eric, Dane Martinez here with you as we look to uh, recap what a weekend uh, in college basketball. The final regular season games have been played. It is conference tournaments and, of course, the big dance from here on out. 13 games on the schedule tonight, and those 13 games, every one of them, tournament implications. You got the MAC going tonight. You got Horizon. You got the Sun Belt. You've got, of course, the number two team in the country, uh, Gonzaga, they'll be going uh, and looking to not only wrap up the Western Conference title, but they'll go ahead and try and secure that number one seed for sure in the tournament come Selection Sunday. And that's really a lot of eyes are going to be focused on Selection Sunday because a lot of teams in these tournaments, especially the big ones, eh, their tickets are already punched. Uh, and the difference between a seven seed, an eight seed, or a nine seed, which is what a lot of teams are playing for is really, in the grand scheme of things, uh, not that crazy. So, But there is a big difference between being a number one, being a number two. There is some difference there. And some of these teams, if they're not careful, they've got a high seed already if they do, if they go ahead and win because they're going to be the favorites. Uh, any step up along the way, like a San Diego State, for instance, on Saturday – um, I wouldn't say it's it's completely catastrophic, but obviously there is a big difference between being a one-two versus being, you know, a six or seven. And there is a lot of question marks surrounding now a few teams. Uh, Baylor, number one, who also, uh, as the number two team in the country, lost on Saturday to West Virginia, a game West Virginia needed. Uh, and you might say, well, these are just one-offs. I mean, it's one game, final seed, meant nothing to Baylor. Well, as you could see, Dan, and we warned folks about this in the middle of the season with college basketball, the minute you say it doesn't matter and a loss to an 18 or 19-year-old, as fast as that can spiral out of control, and it can. I mean, look at San Diego State. Once they ended up losing, uh, you know, to Boise State that first game, it was a rough sled ahead. Uh, They were falling behind people. And same thing with Baylor. They just were not the same team they were prior to win. You know, when they won all those games in a row, all of a sudden they lose uh, They lose one game and to TCU and everyone's like, oh, oh no, it'll be fine. Well, it hasn't been fine. So there's a few teams that did so well for three quarters of the season and kind of blew it in the, the final stretch run here. And I can't wait to see how these teams react in the 
uh, in the tournament. I think it's going to be fascinating to see with such parity. Maybe these teams weren't as good as we thought they were, but we'll find out rather quickly come tournament time. You absolutely will, Joe. And to be quite honest, I am concerned about the Aztecs of San Diego State, mm -hmm. Joe. Okay, this is one of those teams from a lower conference, right? So now we wonder what did their, you know, 26 and 0 actually mean? They lose to UNLV about a week or two ago, and then they get upset in the conference championship to Utah State. Now, Utah State, they were pretty much a bubble team, so they now mm -hmm. punched their ticket and they are in. However, for San Diego State, Joe, I worry two things. One, they may fall to the three line, Joe. I think it is possible that they fall all the way to the three line. And when they were falling a little bit, we were talking about, oh, it may be a blessing in disguise for them because instead of being a one seed, they may be a two, but still out west. I can now find eight teams that I think if they go the route are ahead of San Diego State, bumping the Aztecs either to the three line or getting shipped out to the Midwest or the East or the South. And that is not what they need, in my opinion. You talk about the 18 and 19-year-olds, Joe, especially uh, a group of kids that have been able to start to smell themselves with 25, yep. 26 in a row. And now what? They're like two and two in their last four. I think the Aztecs are a team to watch out for. And I could name eight teams right away that I think are ahead of them, especially if some of them do their job and win their conference tournaments this week, whether that be in the Big Ten, the ACC, or even the Big East. Joe, the Big East champion should be ahead of San Diego State. Yeah, yeah. And it's going, I think it's going to mean something to especially some of those uh, mid-major programs there that the higher the seed, the better for them by far. Um, good news for Dayton. Dayton ends up taking care of business, winning the sure. Atlantic, uh, you know, 10, goes out in style. They'll walk into, with a possibility of a number one seed, depending on what's going on, Dayton is obviously a real team, guys, with what could be the best player in the country uh, with Toppin that people don't talk about. But Dayton is for real. They are the one mid-major that has not fallen, has not, uh, you know, has not had that, uh, that hiccup as of late. They have been steamrolling people. And they could not be any better shape, current form than what they are right now. But you've got some other teams that are limping in. Duke dismantles North Carolina in the final game of the season. Not really a big surprise there, uh, but they rolled them 89 to 76. Uh, you also had Kentucky in an unbelievable game. And this is what we talked about. Coaches know, Calipari knows. You know, Kentucky had a letdown game against Tennessee a couple of weeks, a couple of games ago. And they had rolled. They had won eight or nine in a row. And then all of a sudden they lost to Tennessee and everyone had stuck a fork in them. Well, the game against Tennessee didn't mean anything because they had already wrapped up the SEC championship. So now they got to take on Florida in the final game on the road. Their short guys, actually, one mm -hmm. of their starters, uh, didn't travel with the team for personal reasons. They didn't they even almost have enough guys. They were playing with like eight guys on the, uh, on the team. It was kind of crazy. Florida boat racism and has that game in hand by 20 points. And then somehow, I still don't know how it happened. Uh, Kentucky was getting four points in that game and somehow came back to win that game 71 to 70. An epic collapse for a Florida team that should be so much better than what they are. They're very young and sometimes you're going to have that, but so was Kentucky. And for Kentucky to come back and win that game, which ultimately 
didn't mean an awful lot to Kentucky other than showing That's some moxie, Dane, and Kentucky going, oh. screw you. Even though we're missing our starting point guard, we're still going to go out here and we're going to beat you. That might have been the most impressive win of the weekend to me. And Kentucky is a for real team nobody is talking about. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think last week, Joe, I think it was Ohio State. They won mm -hmm. a tough game, right, not playing their A game, right, shooting yep. only 20% from beyond the arc and still getting the job done. And I said last week, that looks good to me. That's the kind of team I need to see. And what happened with Kentucky over the weekend is similar, in my opinion, right? Yep. Shorthanded, down by a bunch, with less technically to play for because they already had it wrapped up. And they show yep. the testicular fortitude to come back. Those are the kind of indicators I want to see from teams that I'm going to pick to go to root in March. Kentucky is one of those teams, I believe, Joe, that just hopped over San Diego State on the two line or in the S curve yep. when the when the selection committee, you know, takes a look at it. And similarly, whoever wins the Big Ten right now, I also think goes above San Diego State, whether that's Maryland, whether that's Michigan State, which don't look now is rounding into form. We've said the same thing about Ohio State. Whoever wins that tournament is going to have better wins than what I've seen mm. San Diego State do all year. And the kind of, you know, uh, the theme continued over the weekend in the Big Ten, right? Michigan State winning at home, you know, uh, Illinois at home, whoever the home teams were, it's mm -hmm. very tough to go on the road yep. and win in the Big Ten. Yeah, a lot of senior days yesterday, too. Sure. Illinois, Michigan State. It was going to be an uphill battle for Ohio State. It was certainly going to be an uphill battle for Iowa. Those two teams, the coaches went at it last time that they met. You know, they don't exactly get along. But, again, it was a good game. Illinois wins at the end. A lot of home, a lot of chalk yesterday uh, seemed to be the right side. A lot of the higher seeds in the mid-major uh, schools and, and the conferences that were playing yesterday they seem to win out. So there hasn't been an awful lot of upsets yet, so to speak. But there's a couple of teams you've got a question, and Texas is one of them. Texas has got at home the last game against Oklahoma State, a team that they have dominated in the past. Uh, both teams come in red hot, right? I mean, winners of five uh, Texas in a row. Shaka Smart saving his job, putting them on the right. bubble. This game's at home senior day. You got an opportunity to be able to put the hammer down and close out the regular season, and you lose by the worst margin, the worst loss of the year. We thought those were out of the system. Now, all of a sudden, I'm scratching my head with Texas going, what the hell was that? I mean, you're a bubble. Oklahoma State is not. You were a bubble team, and yet you got boat raced at home on senior day. A lot of questions around Shaka Smart and this Texas team. I don't know what the hell to think about them now. I was high on them because I thought they finally turned a corner. That game was brutal to watch. I've never seen anything like it. On their own home court, not good for the Texas Longhorns heading into the Big 12 championship. Yeah, you would think senior day or senior night would uh, give you that extra adrenaline, that motivation. Terrible. What have you? I was gonna ask you, like, is that a is that a strategy? Is that a trend? You know, to ride the senior night yep. teams because of the extra, but it did not work out for Texas and the Longhorns. You know, we say it right when the pressure is on, you have to start to look good, rounding yep. into form. Some teams are doing so; other teams remain inconsistent, and they're not worth it for me. 
You uh, keep an eye on the Pac-12, of course, is a big weekend. That kind of settled it, itself out. UCLA and Oregon were at stake to win the, you know, the top spot there and win the regular season. Uh, USC beats UCLA in USC. Uh, big win for them. UCLA drops a game. They could have had it. Oregon takes care of business. Uh, Oregon wins the Pac-12, uh, you know, regular season title. One of the most consistent teams, again, Oregon. If you're overlooking Dana Altman and that crew, do not, guys. Oregon is about as consistent as you get. Now they go into a Pac-12 tournament that begins on Wednesday. And, I, you know, I quietly, under the radar, the Pac-12 has become an extremely competitive conference, guys. And there are some dark... There are some horses in that yeah. uh, in that Pac-12 that don't sleep on come tournament time. We'll talk about some of them and some of the matchups early on. UCLA, Stanford, Arizona State, Oregon. Going to be a barn burner. We'll cover them. We'll do it. Coming up next here on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Guys, welcome in the early line here on the grid, sportsgrid.com. Uh, Joe and Eric Dane Martinez here as we take a look tonight at some tournament games. Again, no more regular season games. This is all about uh, tournament time. And of course, uh, Selection Sunday is here. And by the time it is all said and done, we'll have every conference crowned a champion. We'll have the automatic bids. We'll have the at-large bids all figured out. And we will have who's playing in the, uh, you know, the play-in games. And then, boom, number one seeds, quadrants, brackets. Uh, it is a fun time of year. But first, got to get through some of these conference tournaments. And on tap tonight, we'll have the uh, Western Conference uh, tournament that uh, most uh, people will be very in tune to tonight as you have the number two team, the Zags, going up against all of a sudden, the Dons of San Francisco, who have just been boat racing people, they have been uh, running over people this weekend in the tournament really? thus far. So they come in playing red hot. The Zags uh, also 2-0. and They're 1-1 one one against the spread thus far. This is a big game. The winner, of course, will move on to take uh, at 1130 Eastern time tonight. You'll have St. Mary's uh, taking on uh, BYU, uh, a BYU team that, beat the Zags a couple of games ago, uh, a team that has uh, a, maybe one of the top three or four draft picks coming up in Childs if he decides to go out, uh, if he decides to come out, rather. St. Mary's always been there to done that around the Western Conference trial. They have been a nemesis of the Zags over the years. Somehow, Gonzaga always comes rolling into this tournament at exactly the same spot, having lost only one or two games, a number one seed in the balance, and they should, without a doubt, run through everybody. And it's usually St. Mary's that stops them. However, this year, BYU, St. Mary's, and even the Dons tonight, I know it's a big number, Dane, but we should not be sleeping on San Francisco with the way they are playing. 
Do they win? Probably not. Can they keep it within 13? I do think there's a chance uh, there is an opportunity here that this is uh, within a touchdown as opposed to two touchdowns in this game tonight. Yeah, it's interesting. The number is, in fact, 13 on the number mm. right now at FanDuel. The total in this game is 151 and a half. And I was going to ask you about this one. I had two questions for you. One, do you still consider Gonzaga a mid-major team? <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? You were talking about right. Dayton with the mid-majors. Gonzaga's right there as well. And then, you know, for me, having a team like Gonzaga in this conference kind of warps the fortunes of every other team. And here's what I mean. If you're the selection committee, I mean, you have two ranked teams in this conference, right? So when you see a school like St. Mary's or even San Francisco right now, right? If they get an upset in the semifinal, are they worth it? Are they, should they be a tournament team? You know what I mean? These teams have quality wins over top 25 teams. You say St. Mary's, this is not their first rodeo either. It always makes me wonder with some of these mid-majors, when you have a huge, you know, top 25 team in there, what does that mean about the team that's second place? Doesn't that mean right. they're pretty good too? Like Utah State, for example, they showed they could beat a top five team. How are they still right. on the bubble? St. Mary's, San Francisco, the, the, you know, teams that are dealing with Dayton all year long. That really does intrigue me as you measure conference up against conference as we head into Selection Sunday. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, well, the thing, you know, it's funny. The interesting thing about the Zags along the way from a betting perspective, guys, is that, yes, they are technically considered a, a mid-major program, but they're never priced like that. They're always right. overpriced <laughs> to the point where it gets – it, you know, at some point, you, you can't go any further, and then it makes sense not to fade them to lose, but certainly fade them not to cover because they're almost never an underdog in any situation that they go. So teams like that, kind of like the Yankees you'll see coming right. up in Major League Baseball season, teams that are just so overvalued that it's like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, is this really 27 and a half? Yeah, it's really 27 and a half. And then they'll go out and they'll they'll boat race them in the first half. They, it'll be a smooth sailing and they may come really close to, you know, to covering. But when we get to this time of year, the competition ratches up playoff atmosphere type. Of, and again, the, the thing that makes the conference championship different is familiarity. Like St. Mary's knows you. The, sure. the Dons tonight know you. I mean, they're riding a five-game winning streak coming into this game, too. There's nothing you're going to throw at the Dons tonight that they have not seen before or know is coming. The problem is, are the Dons good enough? And this is from the handicapping perspective. Do you trust the Dons to keep it close enough to challenge them? Or do you believe the Zags are going to want to go out and prove a point right off the bat here tonight and send a message? Because... You know, don't forget it. They got the little man complex, all right? They have done this before as well. Oh, you don't think we're any good? You don't think we're good enough because of the conference we play in? Yeah, watch this. And and all of a sudden, because at this point, you're in the semis, right? Of the Why yeah. is anybody a 13-point favorite at this point? Isn't everybody good to make sure. it to this point? Sure, you would think so, right? And like you said, the familiarity is important. Yeah. And the other thing I said last week also, remember, these kids are playing now on back-to-back -back days. That point yes. guard from Utah State, for example, okay, he played uh, three or four games in just as many days, did not come off the court. You know, <laughs> Gus Johnson was like, I don't know if he's got enough in him left, and then he hits a three, you know, with like six seconds left to win the game. So that's a part of it too, right? These kids, and I mean, they play AAU ball and all that stuff. They know 
have, you know, they have enough. They're 18 years old. But I do think that's another part of this. They got to sack up and do it over yep. again 22 hours later. I and and you're right. I mean, listen, we we watched it all weekend long happen. You had uh, in the Missouri Conference, for instance, you had uh, Valpo coming in, a number seven seed in in the conference, taking on Bradley, the defending champions. That's their fourth game in a row. Like right. the four, like college kids are not used to this scheduling, guys. And it it's worth noting, especially those that had to run the gauntlet in their conference. And then all of a sudden have to play multiple games uh, in a row in a very short time frame early on in the tournament. you got to pay attention to that. Pay attention yeah. to it again, even with the big boys, the ACC, the SEC. They are used to playing two games a week, three games a week. It's spread out. You start getting three, four mm -hmm. games in a row. And keep in mind, guys, this will all be settled on Sunday. That could very well be three and four games in a row for a lot of teams. You got to know that tired legs are going to take hold of some of these teams. Yeah, especially. And then the other thing to think about here is the style of play. You know, mm. for example, Joe, playing four games in four days matters less to a squad like Virginia, who yep. slows it down and plays defense, right? Yep. Than a team that's going to go up and down trying to score 80, 90 points. It just yep. takes, more, it takes more cardio, right? And so I think that's something to look at. As we get later into this week, okay, when it's Thursday and Friday and some of these teams are doing that and they have an up-and-down style, it takes a little yep. bit more out-of-the-guard play than a team that's trying to break it down and play half-court. Absolutely correct, uh, because it's going to it's going to wear on you, which is usually why we look at defensive teams this time of year, sure. uh, the truly efficient defensive teams coming up tournament time because defense travels. I mean, the ACC starts tomorrow, guys. It's in North Carolina. Uh, I mean, it's in the Carolina. So that's that's what you've got. So teams like Syracuse and others, you know, the, the Carolina teams, I don't care who they are, whether it's North Carolina, even as a 14 seed, Duke, you, are, you know, they are going to have the home court advantage there for a lot of these games. So it, defense has to travel, which is what makes the Virginias of the world so very unique from the standpoint of you could be a 300th ranked offense and efficiency, but if you're a number one or number two ranked, you're going to win games. Why? Look at the SEC. I can't wait to watch this tournament, which is why I love Kentucky even more. Kentucky plays defense. Nobody in the SEC plays no, defense. Zero. <laughs> Everything's an over. Like, everything right. is over. You know, LSU plays zero defense. Auburn plays zero defense. Kentucky plays defense, which I think if there's anybody coming out of the SEC that we should worry about, it's definitely Kentucky could blow up some brackets if you're not careful. But defense to me is the number one thing to look at when moving forward and handicapping these games. Virginia should be the favorite in the ACC. They're not, but I do think there's going to be some value there because the way they're playing and the way they put it together and the way they will shut you down I can't wait to see how it unfolds in the ACC, and it all kicks off tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the other thing I look at, Joe, when we're talking about these teams and maybe there's some parity at the top and it's a little bit of fluidity, I look at coaching, okay? Yeah. We know some of these coaches have been there, done that. And I'll even put Mark Few in that bunch, Joe, with Gonzaga, mm -hmm. right? But when you look at some of these teams, Kansas with Bill Self, right? Kentucky with Calipari. You know, you yep. look at Izzo with big, and, you know, Michigan State starting to round into form. You mentioned don't sleep on Dana Altman and Oregon. I actually think, Joe, Oregon is the biggest beneficiary of the San Diego State loss. 
Okay, yes. because they are now primed, in my opinion, to be the two seed out west if they take care of business, right? And that's another thing that I look at coaching because these 18 and 19 year olds are going to be like, uh oh, we got a chance. And you're going to mm -hmm. need uh, p adults in the room who have been there before to keep them, you know, centered, shall we say. A absolutely correct. And it's uh, the gauntlet has begun for yeah, a lot of these teams. And now. They're going to get ready. Here it is. Tournament time starting tomorrow. Pac-12 starting on Wednesday. And here you go, guys. It's one, two, three, four games in a row, four days in a row. May the best team win. And I think it'll be as we start moving along here during the week, Dan, we'll start to see, shall we say, some of the cream rise to the top. Um, yeah. Usually in the mid-major conferences, the better teams usually win those conferences. Why? Well, you just can't flip a switch and all of a sudden expect to be competitive in a mid-major conference when you only won eight games all year. Now there's exceptions. We watch Wyoming, who won 10 games in the Mountain West, hey. you know, push everybody to the brink of elimination. Uh, we had a team uh, yesterday in a mid-major, I believe, that uh, um, had won eight games, nine games. Uh, right. we're, we're getting ready to win the Big South. Like, are you kidding me? Because, by the way, went down yeah. right away. You Could know? You yeah, and right. come back. I gotta ask you. I gotta ask you a question. Come yeah. back. Well, at the right time of the year, right now. We'll do it. Coming up here next, uh, guys, as we take a look, also small NBA card. We'll give you the latest lines. We'll do that next on the grid, sportsgrid.com. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, got ourselves a lot of a uh, lot of bubble teams uh, that we'll uh, we'll go over. Start next hour, of course. The big tournaments getting ready to take center stage. Starting ACC tomorrow, uh, SEC, Pac-12, Big Ten, all getting ready. And again, guys, it is so the first thing any of you should do if you're going to start diving into some of these conference uh, conference play and some of these games is understand where they're being played. Uh, understand the building. Uh, there are going to be neutral site games, but is there an edge if you're in, you know, North Carolina, for instance? Uh, is there an edge uh, if you're in Indianapolis? Wherever it may be, make sure that you guys understand where these games are being played. And this is the time of year, Dane, in these conference championships and these tournaments that we also start understanding that unders might be a little bit more profitable because neutral site games. The speed, as many games as you're playing in such a short time frame, in three or four days, and maybe they don't score nearly as many points as the books or other people may think. So while the public loves to bet overs, uh, knowing where these guys are playing and where these games are being held will go a long way in helping you figure out how to profit in the totals market. Absolutely. Except for the SEC, though, right, Joe? Except oh, for the no, SEC. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> and the other part of there is, like you mentioned earlier, is familiarity, right? 
And this is for a lot of times your third time seeing this team, okay? So you know where people like to be on the floor. You know what they like to try to do. And you can try to uh, you can augment that and force them like Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots to use their left hand. But I wanted to ask you, Joe, you know, we've had this philosophical argument before about college football and the four-team playoff and college basketball and March Madness. Joe, we are now at the point of the year, right? You could be St. Mary's. St. Mary's, mm-hmm. starting tonight, if they go undefeated the rest of the year, they win the national championship, Joe. It don't matter, right? right. If they go undefeated, they win the West Coast Conference, they're in. They win six more in a row, they're cutting down the nets, right? Every team in the country, except for the ones who lost in their conference tournaments already, still have a chance to win the national tournament. And when we talk about college football, we've, we've talked about, like, is it smart? Should they expand it? Should they let everyone have a chance? And you've said, ah, seeing Central Florida against Oklahoma would not be fun. You know, the idea of Cinderella. Well, we are now in the portion of the year where we are all energized by Cinderella and what could happen. Do you still think that the college football kind of format and having every regular season game matter so much is still more fun than what we're about to embark on in the next three weeks? Well, the question comes down for both is how important is the regular season, right? right. If, right. you know, and, and it's even more important than, you know, like, like we said uh, yesterday, when you have a, when you have a team that had a losing record was below 500 and somehow yeah. they go on this Cinderella run and they beat a couple of teams they should. And next thing you know, they find themselves in a, uh, you know, at a winning in type of situation, yeah. you know, if a team only wins eight or nine games during the conference play, but yet somehow wins that tournament, they're in. Like, how does that, that means basically the regular season doesn't matter. And that would have been an absolute nightmare had Rafford not actually won that game yesterday. So there is, it's a question that to me, will continue to be asked year after year, especially when you have such a big tournament like this. You're going to have some teams that are Cinderella's that are are getting in at the low end of the totem pole, right? And the last thing that you want is a team that was, well, you know, hey, we only, you know, we finished 500, but we won our tournament and we got a shot to get in here. Uh, That really basically means the regular season means nothing. The tournament does just get in the tournament. And then it just matters if you can win a couple of games. If you can win three or four games in a week, uh, congratulations, you get to go dancing. Even though you only won nine games all conference long, you know, you got teams that won 22 games that all of a sudden, because they had one bad game, are out. That, to me, is the problem. That, that to me, is the worry that you're going to minimize the impact of the regular season, especially come these tournament times where some of these mid-major schools, your only path in is to win the damn tournament. You know, like Liberty, your only path in yesterday was to win the tournament. And if you didn't, oops, sorry. So the fact that you won 23 games this year means nothing. Yeah, I mean, it is tough, you know, and it's kind of like half of, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other, right? You know, and I see that. I just thought it was interesting. Now is the time where those kind of arguments that we've been having for six months kind of really the the rubber hits the road on this, right? You're absolutely right. right. A team that wins nine games probably shouldn't have a chance, but if they get hot at the right time, maybe they deserve it. I look at a team literally like a St. Mary's, right? Like we know they are capable, Mm -hmm. but maybe in a college football kind of format, they would never even have a chance 
to right. uh, demonstrate that they can hang with the big boys. Now, the Gales, they win eight more in a row. They're cutting down the nets just like anybody else. I think it's an interesting way to look at it. And now is the time where we can compare kind of how we feel about it because everyone's going to start getting really excited about Cinderella. Yep, and uh, and Hampton was almost that Cinderella, guys. If they would have beaten Winthrop yesterday for the Big South title, they're going dancing having won, what, 11 games all year? It's like, come on. And that, to me, is a bit worrisome. But the thing that you got to also remember, Dane, is that we know come this tournament time, right, we know for a fact that there's a good chance the Cinderellas are nice. They'll happen early on. But, oh, yeah, you know, we, we're always getting number ones, number twos. Sure. I mean, the numbers speak volumes when you get to the final four. And, of course, the championship game, it's a number one or a number two seed. So the, the cream does rise to the top. So we don't have to have that argument as much in college basketball as we do in college football because sure. of that. But remember, UMBC a few years ago, they didn't win the tournament, yep. right? But right. they had one, uh, you know, as the song goes, one shining moment, right? And yep. that school and that community is going to eat off of that for decades, you know? That's so correct. even it doesn't have to be, you know, one of these teams that are under 500. Are they going to win six in a row to truly win the national championship? No. But if they are that 14 that beats the three, I mean, I say more power to them, you know? Yep, yep. I, uh, it's, there's going to be a few upsets, I think, especially this year. Lower seeds are, gonna, are yep. going to beat some higher seeds early yep. on in this tournament, so get ready for it. Uh, I think more so this year than we've seen in years past. But at the same time, I, when, you're, when you're getting closer to the middle there, filling out your brackets, yes. uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody going, you know, putting a number – five, six, or seven seed or worse in that final, uh, that, you know, Elite Eight, Final Four, it's going to be, we know what the cream of the crop is in this country. We know who's got the depth. We know who is capable of making this run. Uh, but there are some teams that are out there, guys, that are going to be very capable of doing one thing, and that's causing aggravation for a lot of brackets early on in the tournament. And 12 seeds, 11 seeds, you know, Liberty, the Winthrops, these 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 smaller conferences that won these games and punched their tickets, they are more than capable of taking down what should be a traditional team in a big conference early in yeah. this tournament, which is what makes it so much fun to watch how it all unfolds. Yeah, what I'm going to be looking at, and we've started to talk about this, yes, the Kansases, right, Gonzaga, Baylor even, Dayton, we know where the cream is, sure. Yep. Right. But what I'm looking for is that first Saturday and Sunday, Joe, when we're down to 32 and we're going to have like two versus seven, three versus six. What that really means in the regular season is something like number 11 versus number 24. And what we right. have seen time and time again is that lower ranked team kind of show up. I'm going to have a lot of those kinds of upsets in the first Saturday and Sunday. And I should tell everybody here on Sports Grid, Joe, we are going to have a Sports Grid March Madness contest. So check out for our you know, social media for details yep. and all that stuff. You can get on down and try and outpick you know, the experts like Joe, Gabe, myself, Greg Sussman, Jared, and see how you stack up against us here at Sports Grid. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's going to be... Um... I think there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of bracket busting going on early in this tournament. If you if you pick your spots and if you've been following some of these conferences and these conference tournaments, which if you haven't followed college hoops all year long, 
pay attention to what you got going on really all week this week week. and watch some of these teams because it will tell you everything that you need to know. Now, bubble teams, every conference has, uh, you know, anywhere from two bubble teams, one bubble team to, you know, a half a dozen that really do need to make some noise in their conference championship to boost their resume because every win counts. Now, there are teams like North Carolina who, look, they're not going to the NIT, they're not going to the CT, they're not going anywhere except home as soon as this conference is over. Um, but they Unless can they still play a spoiler. The conference tournament. Unless they Absolutely. win in a row and win the conference tournament. That's why yeah. I actually love it because the chance, the opportunity is still yeah. there. Yeah. And you have to have that. You have to believe in that, that there is an opportunity for it, uh, teams like Howard yesterday or teams like North Carolina who had an abysmal season, Joe, there's right? going to be one this week. There's going to be one team in one of the conferences this week that makes a yes. crazy run. Someone yep. is going to do it. They're going to steal an out-large bid from one of these bubble teams in a Power 5 conference. You need to, uh, yeah, but you need to know that as a as a fan, as a, you need to know there's, it can't all be chalk all the time. Right. There's got to be that belief that, the little guy can get it done, which is what makes the tournament so much fun. Otherwise, it's as boring as ass to watch until you get to the final, you know, the Elite Eight, Final Four. And then right. at that point, it's it's not fun, which is what makes it so good is that the, the little guy has a chance any given day to be able to win. Are they going to win six? Hell no, they're not going to win six. Are they going to win one or two and, and cause a lot of grief? you damn straight they are, and it's going to start this week. There are going to be lower-seeded teams That's in right. the conferences that haven't looked good all year, but you know what? You'll see a conference tournament final, number one versus number eight in the conference. Yep. Or, seven in the or conference. they're going to knock out a high seed that you thought was going to win the conference, who is now out. So, root for the little guy. There's more money in it, too, as well. Hey, all right, hour two, we'll start diving into some of these games, NBA and college tonight. We'll break them down for you next year on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Happy Monday. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.